on the cusp in the car. You can hear the background noise. I'm going across Kansas right now. I'm facing Colorado on my way to a solo gig. I got to be there tonight. I don't have time to stop and do a podcast. I got to do this thing on the go. So I realized that I left a few things out of part one and part two of my how did I get the Nashville story on the cusp of Nashville story to stay on brand and there's two things I left out one of them is the Alan Jackson coffee story so this ain't even got anything to do with on the cusp of Nashville but I mentioned in the podcast I would tell the story of when Alan Jackson bought me a coffee so it's it's very simple. I'm not going to elaborate on it. I tend to be long-winded. If you've listened to this, you know that's true. Basically, Alan Jackson, around 2012 or 2013, he did a bluegrass album. He, I just said bluegrass, a bluegrass album, and he did it at the he did a, a live show at the Station Inn. It was the album release concert. Now this thrilled me because first of all. As y'all know, if you've listened to this show, I love Alan Jackson. And I like and love some bluegrass. But Alan Jackson singing bluegrass, I'm pushing people out of the way to see that. So I went down there at 4.30 in the morning and got in front of the door to get in line to get the tickets. And I sat there in a lawn chair. It turns out I was like the third person in line. There were still people who beat me. So I'm sitting right there in a lawn chair. The sun comes up, and somebody shows up and says, Hey, I work for Alan Jackson. We want to give you all some gifts, some merch for coming out here so early. And they handed out merchandise, and then they handed me a coffee. Now, I had never drank coffee in my entire life. And they said, Alan Jackson bought coffee and donuts for y'all. So... Yes, I did not hang out with Alan Jackson and he bought me a coffee, but he technically did buy me a coffee. So that's that story. All right. Now we're two and a half minutes in, so I'm going to jump to the other part of my move to Nashville. And I feel bad that I left this out. Um, There's two people that played massive roles. Um, Look, I could go into all kinds of people. This is like when you win an award and you go tell everybody, thank you. I want to thank all the people. Like, I haven't won anything. I haven't done anything really worth telling this story for. But I still want to, since I ventured into the story, I have to point out. There was a moment. So, and to give you an idea of these, of sometimes religious people, well-meaning people who love Jesus, can throw you off, man. So... And they don't mean to, but that, that happens. Everybody has the ability to do that. I can do that to people too. So, But when you go back here, right before I moved to town, I had that anxiety of everything seemed to be lining up. Um, I, this is the point in the story where I'm getting the bulletins for the church and the apartment finders in the mail, and I'm working for my cousin, and I have not yet gone to find a job or find an apartment or anything yet. So... I feel like I'm on the cusp. I'm on the verge of it. But because I'm scared, I'm not doing it. And I'm living at my mom's house in the second floor of this this old house in Gibsonville, North Carolina. 
surrounded by my a couple of my younger siblings who've been born now. They're they're uh, my mom and stepdad's kids, so I sort of feel like a, a stranger in this house. You know, it's like who are all these kids crawling around? They belong to my mom. That's wild. So I, there was one night. My mom actually gave me a phone number of a guy. Hey, so-and-so knows this person. They live in Franklin, Tennessee. You should call them. So I had already called Larry and Patty. And they started sending me the bulletins. They were sweet and everything. Well, I got this other number. She, My mom was like, maybe these people can give you advice. Or maybe they know somebody somewhere you can work or whatever. So I, I followed what she said. I called these people. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't remember who this guy was. Um, but he answered. And I said, so-and-so gave my mom this number, and then she gave it to me. And I'm 21 years old, and I'm thinking about... I'm, I'm, I'm about to move to Nashville. So I'm a songwriter. I'm a musician. I'm wondering if you know of two things. Number one, well, actually three things I said. Do you know of a place that may be for rent um do you know is anybody hiring do you know anybody hiring and the third thing do you know of a good church because i wondered what they had to say about it well right away i guess this guy wasn't in the mood to hear from a songwriter with these questions and he just started into you don't need to move here no this is not the town we got songwriters working at gas stations and they're delivering pizzas and they're everywhere. We don't need another one here. You know, you need to go do something else with your life. And this guy was just crapping all over my idea of moving to Nashville and didn't have anything to say. I mean, he could have said, no, man, good luck with that. I don't know anybody. But he just went, he went way extra steps out of the way to tell me I, I was crazy to move there. And boy, the timing of that was tough. I remember I hung up that phone. And that man influenced my emotions tremendously. I started privately bawling on my bed like a little girl. Like a teenage girl that got broke up with. I was just devastated that this guy would tell me this. And I thought he might be right. I thought he was right. You know, that was why I was crying. I was like... What's wrong with me? Why am I wanting to do this stupid thing? This guy, he just told me the truth. And I'm just sitting there. And in the midst of that, I had a friend named Brittany. I got a cousin named Brittany too, but this wasn't my cousin. This was my friend. Now, Brittany and I, we'd always stayed friends. And the reason is because I had a crush on her friend for a long, long time. So... Anyway, that never worked out, which is really good. But in the in the process, I had this friendship with Brittany that was, you know, strictly a friendship. So she called for whatever reason, or I don't know how I ended up on the phone with her. And she goes, Adam, don't listen to that guy. You've got what it takes. And she, like, talked me off the ledge. And by the time I got off the phone with her, I was like, you know what? I ain't gonna listen to that guy. What does he know? Screw that guy. And I totally went opposite. I was like, that's just like some punk tell me I can't go to that. But who does he think he is? So that was that was great. So Brittany saved the day there. 
and she remembers that. I still remember that. So then, now she went on to get married. She's got kids, and I found my wife in Nashville. Now, I think she played a very important role in saying, God, put those words in her mouth. I don't think I'd, I, I, honestly, I was giving up. Now, maybe the next day I'd have got up and done it anyway. But, um, so there. And, and, and finally, my parents, my grandparents. I remember when I left town. Now, my mom was emotional, you know, and so I, I kind of perceived that as, well, she did, must not want me to go. But no, she just was sad. She loved me. She didn't want me to leave. Um, you know, but I remember I thought, well, I guess she didn't want me to go. But again, she was just sad. Well, then my dad met me at the gas station, Sheets Gas Station, Walkertown, North Carolina. He filled up my tank and gave me a $20 bill. And I'm going to tell you what, in 2006, on my way, literally, this is when I'm moving there. Like, I've already established my apartment, my house, all that stuff. He met me there, and he filled my tank and gave me that 20 bucks. And, man, that was the passage of father to son, like, respect. Like, you're, you're, you're going to be a man... You're a man now. This was the st- this is the final step to you being a man. I mean, it was a long time long time coming. He didn't say that, but he just he gave me his blessing so strongly with that move. And I had my mother's blessing. I just didn't know it. You know, I think I maybe I did know it. She might argue. So this is a real authentic podcast, right? So she might argue and get mad and say. I did know it. She did give me, but I'm just telling you, you know, it felt like she was sad. And that made me think she didn't want me to go. Um, which I just wanted everybody to want me to go. But that was my fault. I should have just not given a crap. I should have just gone. And that's who I am now more than ever. But back then, I for some reason, I was beholden to all these emotions and all these people telling me what I should do and shouldn't do. That was just silliness, man. Like, that's the thing. When you're on the cusp of something, there is such thing as good counsel. But sometimes, just quit listening to everybody. Just go do it. And find out what God has. And maybe we find out that God doesn't have that for us. But sometimes it takes doing it to find it out. And I'm not talking about trying drugs or or you know, going to strip clubs. I ain't talking about that, you know, but I'm talking about those, those moments in life when we're at a crossroads and we have a direction that could be of the Lord. So my instinct is to just go for it nowadays and, and then see what God's going to do. And I can't tell you how many times I go for it and I realize, oh, I don't think this is what God wants for me, but I learned something along the way. And it was a, a part of that path. I don't want to say journey. Everybody says, journey it's part of my journey and i don't know we all have journeys i think that's a little over overblown all right so i'm going to end this one this is a short one but i'm so thankful to my parents for their love their support my grandparents my grandpa he gave me all kinds of like canned goods and stuff he was like super practical he was like all right you're gonna need baked beans i thought that was cool um so yeah that's that's the final episode on on the cusp of Nashville. I left them things out, and I wanted to put them on here because I felt like it was important. If any of these people ever listen to this, they need to know they played a huge role in that story. Um, 
Oh, and finally, Carlos, my buddy Carlos, at there at the at the Toyota dealership. That guy loved my first songs that I played. He encouraged me more than anybody in the world about them songs. He thought they were great. And to this day, he thinks they're great. I mean, I think they suck, but he still thinks they're great. He loves those first songs I wrote and those first productions that I put together in the recording studio years ago, which I'll talk more about that some other time. If it's relevant, it, it might not be. All right, 12 and a half minutes on the cusp in the car. I'm on the cusp of ending this right now.